Thanks for making Lockdown Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, we're going to recap the Yankees' successful weekend against the Guardians and talk about a few players who needed to step up and actually did. Michael King has been a revelation for the Yankees, and there's a surprising person behind that. And we'll discuss the incident at the end of Saturday's game because it was a big story and, you know, we need to discuss the big ones. That's all coming up next on Locked on Yankees. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. everyone. Happy Monday. I'm Stacey Gotsoulias, joined by my co-host, Abby Mastraco. Welcome to Locked on Yankees. Abby, we don't ha- I don't have to rant today. No, <laughs> you're so happy. It was I'm a sleep. So- I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I was you shocked. You went into the weekend, like convinced that the Yankees were going to find a way to like lose every single game. <laughs> and like I say it all the time. I literally just said it to you before we started. New Yorkers are not happy unless they're unhappy mm-hmm. <laughs> or unless they're fighting or, you know, and you like, that's your New York coming out where you're like, I'm not happy unless like my team is losing, but I'm actually happy when they're winning. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It, it was, it was surprising, but also not surprising because they were playing the way they're supposed to play. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I know the uh, guardians actually came into the series kind of on a roll they did some good things against the White Sox. Ramirez was on a roll. And we'll talk about how the Yankees held him at bay pretty much the entire weekend when we get into the recaps of everything. But yeah, it was it was the way it should be. The Yankees were playing how fans have wanted them to play for a while. And that was good to see. Um, before we get into everything, let's tell everyone how they can find us because, you know, we have to do that on every show just in case we have newbies listening. And if you're a newbie, welcome yes. to Locked on Yankees. You can welcome. find us. Hmm? Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the madness. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Yankees. All one word. We made it easier for you to find us. Uh, you can listen to us on every podcasting platform available, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Yankees. So first things first, we're going to do this in a specific order just because when you recap a series, the last thing on your mind is the final game. And the final game was a good one all around for the Yankees. The offense finally scored in double digits and Garrett Cole pitched like an ace. Yeah, I I mean, he needed this. I, I, I don't think, look, I understand that people are going to panic and say, but the sticky stuff when he has two outings like he did, you have to consider the abbreviated spring training. Guys are still working on stuff. Those two outings, not necessarily indicative of Garrett Cole and like what we know he's capable of. So it's frustrating to see an ace pitch like that. But this is what we were expecting for him. And I mean, personally, I was expecting him to bounce back in this kind of fashion, you know, he, he had most of his pitches working for him. And I, I just, this was sort of, I think this was a pretty solid outing that he could build on. He went, 
uh, he went deep. I mean, not super deep, but deep is so far for the for April, like, yeah. a, you know, April extended outing kind of um, this is, you know, about what we expect for for April, given the strangeness of this season and the start. Yeah, I, I thought that, you know, this is going to answer some questions about him and everyone can can calm down for just a little bit. <laughs> no yeah. need to panic right now. Right. Well, even uh, someone had said on Twitter last night that if he has a good outing against, I believe he's pitching next against the Royals. And, you know, if it's similar to yesterday's outing, that that could lower his bloated ERA to below four, which is a pretty good first month. Not the greatest, but it's much better than how he started. So that's all he needs is a couple of good starts. In Well, and I think even more, like, the one thing that I noticed going back and looking at the game feed was his four seam had, had a good spin rate to it. So a lot of the questions that he's had to face and probably will continue to face yeah. about the sticky stuff, he's answering some of them. Yeah. And plus the game in Detroit, this really short outing, the weather was really bad. Yesterday's weather was much better for him and everyone else playing the game. And, you know, that has some sort of... Uh, effect on certain pitchers with how they grip the ball and you hear them talk about that all the time and if they don't have a right feel for the ball they're gonna have bad outings he got some he got some good swings he got some good swings on the on i mean a couple called strikes that four seam seemed to be the four seam is what we expect him to throw and the four seam was very effective yesterday yeah Uh, slider called strike swinging strike yeah, this was a pretty typical Garrett Cole outing, and, you know, he needed that. The Yankees needed that. It's um, it's a good good game to cap off a series like that. Definitely. And the other side of the game, Cole was the biggest, the biggest story, I would say, um, even though the offense finally broke out. And certain guys had big hits in big spots, and – my favorite hit of the day, the one that got them to the 10, was Tim Locastro coming in, pinch hitting, and hitting a home run. And it wasn't like um, a barely home run. I mean, he really hit that. Carlos Beltran was even like, wow, he really hit that hard. And I just thought, yeah, you know the day is going well for a team when a guy pinch hits in the eighth inning and hits a home run like that, especially a guy that doesn't you know, normally play that much. So, yeah, it was that yeah. kind of a day for them. They say that things like hitting is contagious. You know, they say that things like losing are contagious. And there's, there is something to that. I, you know, you don't put a ton of stock into something like that, but when like everyone's clicking, sometimes that can like do something to the opposing pitcher. You know, he doesn't throw a good pitch. He's kind of worried because they're down or, you know, it's, it can, it can be a little bit contagious sometimes. And yeah. there's also, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite hockey players that I've ever worked with, Timu Solani, he had the ketchup bottle theory. You know, it was his way of sort of like keeping a level head when things weren't going well and the team wasn't scoring a lot. And the same the same can be said for other sports, too. You know, sometimes teams just aren't producing and it's like then all of a sudden you get that ketchup out of the bottle and they're, they're just scoring runs in bunches that whatever had them all bottled up. Somehow the ketchup comes out of the bottle with, you know, you you bang on it enough and and suddenly there's offense again. It's Things tend to sort of even out. And, you know, if it was June and we were talking about how the offense was still so dismal, then I think it would be a different story. But it's May and we're seeing we're seeing what we're supposed to be seeing from this team right now. Yeah. And I feel like it was a 
not a big deal, but it was a good thing for them to build on the win on Saturday, especially with the way the win happened, the walk-off, the, you know, Chad Green coming in and coughing up the two runs and losing the lead and then them having to come back. And so I think that that, the fact that they built on that and that it wasn't one of those, okay, they won the first two, let's punt the last one. No, it was like, all right, they went in and they basically stepped on the Guardian's throat, which is what you want your team to do in the last game of a series. Well, especially a team like this that is supposed to be a championship contender. And we still have a lot of questions about the roster and whether or not this is a championship roster the way it is currently constructed. But you like to see that toughness and you like to see them finish off the job instead of letting up a little bit and, you know, giving Cleveland a chance to come back and for one, you know, sort of meaningless game in the series. This is what this is. This is a good indicator of, of, you know, could be a good indicator of what's about to come. However, they do have to sort of build on it you know they can't just be okay with this one series and say everything's fixed right they've got to keep building on it um so that's sort of where that's sort of how i gauge this series yeah now i will say this the yankees pitching staff currently ranks first in the american league in era with a 2.53 strikeouts 159 wins 10 and they're second in k9 rate at 9.82 and holding the opposing batters to a 208 average. So the pitching <laughs> has been very, very good. And that's even with Garrett Cole's not so great starts with Jonathan Loisica's blow up outing in, uh, was that Baltimore? I was think that, so. Right? Speaking of that, that'll be the next series, but we will preview that tomorrow. Um, Coming up in segment two, we're going to talk about Friday's game because that was also a good one for a specific player who did a couple of things that Yankee fans have been waiting for since the season started. But first, with spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help find you the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates that are right for you, have the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you once again for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. Next, check out the Locked On Now podcast, where you get recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts who are taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So Friday night, let's talk about Aaron Judge finally doing something offensively. He had a home run, but it's always nice to go from one to three <laughs> in one game. And that's what he did. Both opposite field and both not monster home runs but you know 
it's good to see him go oppo taco. That's always a fun thing. It's always a fun thing to see all of them do that because you, <laughs> you know they're like swinging. saying oppo taco. I do. I do. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's good to see them all do that because that means that they're swinging the bat well. But it was nice to see him break out a little bit. And he had, he kind of had that look in his eye <laughs> at one point in the game where you thought, yeah, I feel like he's going to hit more than one home run tonight. <laughs> He had a good weekend. He sat courtside at the uh, Nets game next to Trevor Noah. Yeah. Glaber was there as well. <laughs> was it? Yeah. I, just, I saw Trevor Noah. Like I, somebody had tweeted a photo of Trevor Noah into, like, into my feed, and I was like, like Aaron Judge was cut off next to him, and I was like, who is that? Is that? That is. That's Aaron Judge. Yeah. Next to Trevor Noah. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of people watching the Nets lose to the Celtics. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I'll talk about that on a different show. Um, <laughs> another day. <laughs> on another day. Um, yeah, it was good to see Judge do that. And the other thing on Friday, Amazon Prime game. Let's briefly discuss this. I loved it. Fans okay, <laughs> I know. And I loved it because I sat here in my room. By the way, I'm in my room. This is a green screen. Um, with your watching handy, don't say. My, ooh, ooh, ooh. my hands are disappearing. Um watched it on my computer which was great because you could shrink the screen where it's like three quarters of the screen and it had the stats on the side and it auto-populated as soon as someone did something so if you wanted to keep track of what everyone was doing on friday night it was right in front of your face it was kind of cool and you could you know rewind if you needed to not rewind you know the go back 15 seconds thing that is on every um <laughs> everything you watch every streaming service um but i i liked it for the convenience for me personally but i know that it's not convenient for older people who don't have amazon prime who want to watch over the air baseball and i feel like they're missing out on 21 full games this season and that's a bummer really yeah you know it's unfortunate look my grandma my nana in orange county is a diehard baseball fan i mean she she loves her dodgers she used to watch them when she was a kid in brooklyn she likes the angels she loves shohei otani and mike trout that's what she does every night she watches baseball and she, you know she's gonna lose out on something like that as well but we do you know you you can't completely cater to an older generation right you have to keep trying to reach a new audience, reach a younger audience. There's been a, quite a few studies that have been done in the last few years that show that Gen Z is not watching sports the same way that previous generations watch sports. They don't have that emotional attachment, like live and die with every pitch. There's They grew up in an era of other entertainment options. Yep. That was a concern when we were talking to, when, you know, when um, during the lockout, that was, that question was posed to Rob Manfred. Are you concerned with baseball's place in in society given how many other entertainment options exist right now are you afraid that that's going that they're going to lose fans the longer baseball's gone and he didn't seem to be too concerned with it but the reality is there are people in sports who are concerned with it because i have talked to them and i continue to talk to them to work on on stories about most i mean about how to reach a younger audience with baseball and hockey and i Personally, I did like this, you know, the auto-populated stats. I like the Statcast broadcast, um, sort of the alternative broadcast that they have during the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think Mike Petrillo does a really good job with that. Um, shout out New Jersey Devils fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you have to constantly be trying to not quite reinvent yourself, but find other ways to add new elements that might 
get a younger audience. And I do understand, uh, look, the broadcasters are, they feel like family. They've been in your home. They're in your home every day, you know? Susan and John are, are legends in New York and Vince Scully felt like everybody in Los Angeles's, you know, grandfather at some point. Right. I, I get that. And I love that part of a broadcast, the sentimentality of it. You grew up with these people. I thought it was amazing when Sam Rosen was the MC of um, Henrik Lundqvist's Jersey retirement. That's great. It's only 21 games that you're going to deviate from. Sure, you're going to, there's going to be some on national TV too. And I know that people don't like it when they've got a national game, but it does give more exposure for certain teams. It's important to keep trying to grow the game, get a, new, a younger audience because the old fans are going to die. Uh, look, I want my Nana to live forever. I love her. She's amazing. Right. But at some point, they're not all going to be around. Right. So right. in order for sports to survive, you got to keep reaching a younger audience. Streaming is where it's at. This is a small amount of streaming games. It's a good way to sort of dip your toe into the water of streaming and try and get some new eyes on the game. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned Shohei Otani, and Shohei Otani has played a role in Michael King's renaissance, dare I say. Um <laughs> Michael King was amazing on Friday night, and I put it out there on Twitter that someone needs to make a t-shirt that says King S. I won't say the full word, but you know what I mean. And, you know, it's not as if other shirts don't have bad words on them, but someone needs to do that. So Roto-Wear, please do something like that. Um, he had 12 swings and misses in his outing, which wasn't even that long. And eight strikeouts, was it eight or nine? I, I do not remember. I don't have it pulled up. I think it Sorry. was. I, I have close to 20-something tabs open on my computer, so it's not yeah. running at like optimum efficiency. And that is one that I had to close out of right before we started just because I was afraid that like my whole system was just going to like crash and, and we wouldn't be able to do the show because I, I really need to close out some of my tabs. and. Oh, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. People see my computer sometimes and they're like, oh, my God, just looking at that gives me a headache. <laughs> he threw 17 sinkers, 11 four-seam fastballs, eight curveballs, six change-ups. He had five swings, four whiffs on the sinker. His sinker is amazing, <laughs> by the way. He just looked incredible. And I love the change in him because Shohei Otani hit a monster home run off him, like 460-something feet. And that basically was, like, his time to think that, oh, yeah, I got to, like, change some things here. And I know that Corey Kluber helped him out a little bit, too. And it's just I, the thing I love about Michael King, and Sully and I spoke about something like this on the crossover the other day. Baseball is that kind of sport where you have a lot of guys that just look like regular dudes. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they're athletes, but they don't really look like athletes. And when Michael King takes his hat off, he just looks like some dude that you would see at a bar hanging out. Like, you know? <laughs> Maybe look at David Wells, people like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, his, you can tell he pumps up his teammates when he performs like that. Like, they're just like, whoa, this is really like awesome to watch. And he's a big weapon coming out of the bullpen. Now, I know some people, 
want him to start because of how he pitches, but I don't know. I kind of like him as, you know, a weapon coming out of the bullpen, maybe like, um, maybe not necessarily long relief all the time, but in case they need someone like that to do that, um, you know, and then Jameson Tyone also pitched well on Friday and, you know, I said it in the last segment with all those stats, the, the pitching has been, you know, minus a few bumpy outings, amazing for the Yankees so far. The bullpen continues to be a strength. I mean, it has been. That's been the strength since about 2017, you know, when we sort of saw the term bullpenning yeah. come to prominence was during that during that playoff run because the Yankees were relying so heavily on their bullpen. And they still are. Look, it's a good rotation. But, like, we've talked about how if, if the, the dominoes fall in the wrong way, that it could be th- it could look kind of thin right. so that bullpen is really where the strength lies i mean that is that's the insurance for the rotation right now yeah and that's the yankees are going to we talked about how last year they would try and like out hit their mistakes like that's how was sort of like how the roster was constructed but then the bullpen was really good like the bullpen would step up and was able to sort of actually like out pitch some of the starting pitching mistakes like this is a more well-rounded team right now because of how strong that bullpen is oh yeah that'll really big be a big deal um and plus the starters are slowly stretching out more where you're seeing more sixes in their lines and innings instead of yeah. fours and fives. You know, Coles was the longest outing so far at six and two third. He threw 92 pitches. I know people were upset that Boone took him out, but Boone basically said after the game that he just didn't want to put that extra pressure on him when he didn't need to. And the bullpen was ready. And, you know, especially with the off day, it wasn't that big a deal bringing them in. And, you know, the bullpen did what they normally do. So, um, well, and I mean, there's been a lot of concern over, you know, the starting pitchers not going deep right now and what that's going to do to bullpens, not just the Yankees bullpen, but in general, um, what that's going to do to bullpens around the league in May, especially when um, the roster size shrinks again. Yeah. And I'm curious, too. I, I would like to I, I think that the, the bullpen is a huge strength of the Yankees, but are, are they being – we know that they've been taxed because there's been some short outings by guys that shouldn't have had short outings, like Cole. Right. But I'm curious to see – this is this bullpen's just so much fun to watch right now. Yeah. I am curious to see what happens with, with the Yankees bullpen and with, you know, other bullpens too. I want to see how this affects – like if this becomes like a league-wide trend, are bullpens overtaxed starting, you know, early mid-May, right. especially with that – um, extra pitcher that people aren't probably aren't going to be carrying anymore. So in a moment, we're going to discuss Saturday's game and after Saturday's game, because that was a big story. But first, it's time to talk about Built Bar. Have you tried their puffs yet? Because if you haven't, you're missing out. It's the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're actually a treat, and they're covered in 100% chocolate. Puffs are a fan Favorite with incredible flavors, including churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. Every Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. They're all low calorie and high protein. And if you go to the macros chart on Built.com, you'll see all of the stats and you'll be blown away. 
some of our favorite flavors, coconut, coconut, almond, mint brownie, cookies and cream, raspberry, and they come out with new flavors all the time. And if they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it and they'll make it delicious. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first. They figure out how to make it healthy, and I have no idea how they do it, but they do it every time. Go to Built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Once again, that's LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Oh, Saturday, let's talk about Saturday because, you know, <laughs> it was a good game. It was, it they was one ruined of those... Glaber's moment. Like, uh, nobody needed a hit like that more than Glaber Torres. Uh huh. And yeah. like, the, the, his reaction, he's just standing there while fans are throwing trash on the field. And he's like, well, what about, what about my moment? Yeah, it's like, hello, you're <laughs> taking away from my moment. Glaber Torres. Like, how dare you take away from my moment? And it's just, that was so embarrassing. So embarrassing. These are grown men and women too. I mean, I saw a few women like throwing up the bird. Like, seriously, <sighs> do you, do you think that you, do you think that makes you look good? Yeah. It's so immature. Like <sighs> I understand. Look, I don't know who needs to hear this. Liking a sports team and being a fan of a certain sports team is not a personality trait. Mm -hmm. You know what it is though? Being classless, being immature being unnecessarily aggressive yeah um making inappropriate gestures just makes you look stupid like it's, being a fan of the yankees is not a personality trait it's an interest that you have right. so if you are in if you like yeah you know what it's fun to heckle it's fun to heckle guys sometimes i mean even the players usually like take it in stride like i've talked to players about like they get they get kind of excited about going like um, the Dodger Stadium bullpen, visiting bullpen, like perfect example. I know pitchers who are like, yeah, I love it. They just yell at me the whole time. It's so funny. Like I love hearing how creative they are, you yeah. know? Okay. So that's they That's creative. This not so creative. When you're yelling at outfielders um, and I get it. Look, Miles Straw climbed the fence and you think like he crossed a line. Well, guess what? The fans crossed the line first. I, I like, I don't know what possesses somebody to throw trash on the field. I saw this last year too, during um, the playoffs in on Long Island, there were people throwing beers on the on the ice after a game after the Islanders lost. What are you going to throw a temper tantrum because your team lost? Well, you are an adult who is old enough to go to a game, buy a beer, and then waste money on the beer. I don't know. I mean, those beers were like eighteen bucks. Why are you throwing them? Seriously, right. like right. drink the beer. Give it to somebody who's going to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have to say, I liked that the Yankees squashed that the, as Aaron soon Judge as they saw it. Going out there and John and John Carlos Stanton, too, yeah. trying to say, stop it. Don't do this. Yeah. That was, I, first of all, it, they shouldn't have had to. But for them right. to step in like that does show a lot of character. Yeah. That shows more character than what the fans were actually doing. Ugh. I don't understand. <sighs> and I know that me as a journalist... We, I have such a disconnect from fans sometimes because I have been on this side of it for so long. And, and even when I was working in TV and I, I wasn't interviewing players every day like I am now, I was in a production studio and we could still have our fan allegiances. It did just sort of disappear in me because I just, the objectivity, like the journalism training took over. And so I understand that I have a disconnect, but I, that's why I try and engage with fans on social media. And, you know, I have a lot of f friends who are fans and family who are fans. And I do try and understand their perspective, but like, 
I don't understand what makes somebody that immature to throw throw something on, throw trash, throw a drink, throw something on the field that could actually injure somebody. Right. I mean, really, it could. Yeah. If you throw, if you hit somebody the wrong way, I don't know what drives fans to think that they are so entitled that they need respect from the opposing outfielders. You, you're sitting there saying that like you, you think you're justified in throwing stuff at Miles Straw because he climbed the he climbed the fence and he was like too soft to handle it. No, I'm sorry. You don't need respect from a major. What? Why do you think you need respect from a major league baseball player? Yeah. That's not a thing. That's not something that you should be concerning yourself with. You pay a ticket to go watch him play. He doesn't need to, in turn, show you any sort of like reverence as a fan. Right. He doesn't. And guess what? The players that you paid to go watch see on the, who, on the team that you root for, Aaron Judge doesn't need to show you any reverence as a fan. Like I, there's, for some reason, everyone's just acting so strange right now. You know, we see all the videos of like people unhinged on planes. I mean, hell, I, I saw the, pa- the pandemic really like screwed with some people because people, people have... snapped. But yeah, there's really... this whole like, there's, there are fans who think that they deserve respect from the teams and the players and even like the beat writers like me. I mean, I've, I've, I have people who would tweet at me and say, like, I need to respect them as fans because they're reading my work. Well, yeah. And I hope you're enjoying my work. But like that doesn't mean that I need to like cater to your every whim and that I need to placate you. Um, I'm not writing to placate the fans. What I'm writing is to inform the fans, you know. I'm not trying to please you guys. I get that. I know that I don't. Trust me. I see it on Twitter. (laughs) My DMs are a dumpster fire on a good day. So I just don't understand this, like how all of a sudden fans have become so entitled that they think that they need players to like respect them. And like, where's this bad behavior coming from? I saw like part of the video, part of, um, when I went back and like rewound some of the videos, there was a parent with two young kids in the bleachers and the kids appeared very scared at the end of the game when everything was going on. Are you proud of yourselves? Are you proud of yourselves that you scared some kids? You're supposed to be setting a good example for these kids. And if you're, you know, if you want to take the Charles Barkley route and say, I'm not a role model. Okay, fine. Just like be a normal human though. Like don't be like, you, you don't need that attention on you at all times. Like you don't, I just don't, I, I don't get it. I truly do not get what possesses people to do that. Yeah. And you, there are a lot of passionate Yankee fans, those fans included, but like passionate, you, you crossed a line, you went over from passion to like just complete disrespect. Yeah. And a lot of people were upset when Miles Straw said, the Yankee fans are the worst fans in baseball. Well, you made them, you made them look bad. Like you made the good ones look bad too. That's sort of what happens. Like guilty by association. <laughs> right. And not yeah. all Yankees fans are bad. I mean, look, I agreed to host a podcast with one <laughs> and I enjoy it. I enjoy our banter and I, you know, but I, I, you, those fans absolutely made the others look bad. They embarrassed themselves. They embarrassed the Yankees organization. It's classless. It is, it's not the behavior of normal, rational adults. And I just, I, I really hope that they're proud of themselves. Like they shouldn't be. Well, you know, I know they stepped up security yesterday to make sure that nothing like that was going to happen again. And they should be banned from games. Honestly, they should be banned from games. If you cannot, 
it's like the same as being put on like a no fly list. I like I, if you or being kicked out of a bar or something, you know, like if you cannot behave yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a like normal upstanding citizen, a respectful person, respectful of other people around you. You say that, I mean, you want respect from opposing players. Well, you're not showing respect to even like the fans around you. If you, I mean, they should be banned. They should not be allowed to be back at baseball games if they cannot conduct themselves in a respectful manner. Yeah, I agree with that. It was ridiculous. And, you know, I didn't like that people from other fan bases were like, oh, yeah, we knew this. Stop. It's not all of us. It's just a few idiots acting like idiots <laughs> I've seen fans from every team act poorly sure. so no fan base is above another it's sure in the, in the northeast you do get more intensity than you do in a in places like the west coast but like you know when i was covering the kings i somebody threatened to um i think slash my tires and they were able to like they they tagged they were dumb enough to tag staples center in the tweet and then all of a sudden I look over and the and I've got two security guards from Staples Center who need to escort me to my car and like good on Staples Center for the, the their social media person flagging that yeah. and knowing that I was in the press box. But so like, you know, every fan base acts poorly sometimes. It's not yeah. one versus the other. It's, it's just sports fans. Like I said, like you liking a team is not a personality trait. Being a respectful human, that's a personality trait. Being compassionate, that's a personality trait. Being classless, that's also a personality trait. And that's not a good one. Right. It's not a good one to have. Being violent, not a good one. Yeah. There was something to the whole, uh, just, it's like people forgot how to act in public. I mean, you're seeing it everywhere. And it's just really... It's disturbing. It's but so I think disturbing. part of it is social media has made it too easy for people to like be nasty online and not have any repercussions because would people go up to Aaron Judge in person and be like, you you suck. Yeah. Maybe. I'm sure he does get that. But for the most part, like when you're in front of a player, you're going to be like, oh, it's Aaron Judge. Cool. Hey, man. Like big fan. Yeah. It's, social media has made it so easy for people to... I don't know, drink their own Kool-Aid and think that they're like smarter and they know more about not just, not just sports, but like societal issues. Like nobody's ever been wrong on social media, you know? So when you are going on there and telling a kicker to like kill himself after missing a kick in a playoff game, you, there's no repercussions for that for you. Maybe you might get your tweet reported or something. Yeah, but, but there's like, no real life compli- uh, no. consequences. Right. And so now people think that they can just cross that third wall, I think, and they can scream at players on the field. Look, heckle them. That's part of a game. That's part of being a fan. Right. And do it in a create. Make sure that it's a creative thing. You're being funny. And you know what? If, if no one else is laughing, you're probably not funny and you should probably shut up. I've spoken about this, but and you had mentioned it. My when we, we went to Dodger Stadium 20 years ago, um, Went out to L.A. to visit my friend who had moved out there. He's still out there, my friend from college. He went out, never came back. And we saw the Dodgers play the Diamondbacks. And because it was 2002, we were a little salty about 2001. Yeah. <laughs> and we were next to the visitor's bullpen. And my brother was heckling 
the Diamondbacks bullpen the entire time. And they were laughing because he was saying yeah. really funny stuff. Like he was saying to Mike Morgan, who was like 40 at the time, he's like, you drinking Metamucil in your water bottle? You know, and everyone around us was laughing and they're like, you've got to be from New York, right? We're like, yeah. And they knew. And then a week later, the Diamondbacks came to Yankee Stadium. And where was my brother sitting? The left field bleachers right by the bullpen. And they looked, they're like, is he following? They're like, are you following us? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Look, and sometimes, was- the, sometimes those guys will like, you know, give it right back or they'll be like, oh, that was funny. Like, what else you got? You know, like, oh, hey, yeah. the best one. Yeah, like, they like- will engage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because my brother never cursed. He wouldn't curse. He wouldn't say anything because he knew the kids were around. He tried to make it as funny as possible. And he usually did. Like, he usually got the entire section, like, laughing with him because he was just saying really goofy things. And even the players that he was heckling were just like, okay, you know, like, they got it, but throwing things crosses the line. Throwing um, things crosses the line. Making like you know obscene gestures crosses the line. Why yeah. do you feel the need to flip off a player? Because you because I do, I don't understand that. Like that's so dumb. Like you think you're really like oh you're showing him like I, it the the one that actually re, the we didn't bring up was them cheering when the outfielder got hurt. Right. And that's what upset the other two outfielders and and Miles Straw like climb the fence. But when I was looking online at some of the reaction to like the videos, fans were like, Oh, well, you know, he's too, Miles Straw's clearly too soft and he couldn't handle, couldn't handle being razzed a little bit. No, he was upset because fans were cheering for one of his teammates to get hurt. Yeah. That's stupid. Never happen. Yeah. If you are cheering for an opposing player to get hurt, I suggest you like give sports a break for a little bit. (laughs) Really? Honestly, yeah. you probably need it. Yeah, you need a timeout. That's just because every athlete's going to tell you that they would rather win when the other team's at their best. Anyway, right? They they want to beat a team when the team is at their best. You ask you ask guys in, ask guys on the Yankees. They'd rather beat the Angels when Otani and Trout are in the lineup. Yep, they would. Mm-hmm. So you can root for them to be out of the lineup all you want. You're not on the same. You're not on the same level as your. The players you idolize, though, that's the philosophy of a competitor. Yeah. My first reaction when I saw Quan crash into that new fence that they have there because the auxiliary scoreboards were taken out. So now they have like the grading there and then advertisements in the back. I was like, oh, he got his bell rung because you could see it in his face when he hit it. I was like, oh, that's got to hurt. Oh, my God. And I felt really bad. I was like, oh. And I saw them come out and help him. So that was my first thought because I'm not a hooligan like John Sterling said on Saturday when he was calling, he was really um, angry at what he saw. Um, It was just, it was awful behavior and it's not in it. When you see behavior like that, especially from somebody like John Sterling, who, who loves the Yankees, who loves the franchise, who loves the fans. Yeah. He, he loves the whole culture around the team. And when you see ugly behavior like that, it doesn't fit in with the culture that you love so much. And it's, it, it's just very difficult to reconcile the two. And we all know that there is a certain sep, you know, subset of a fan base that, that does engage in some really ugly behavior. We see it online. We see it on social media all the time. But it's just difficult when you feel so passionately about something, you love something so much, and then it's just the behavior like that makes it look bad. Yeah. And it, you just, come on, you never root for somebody to get hurt. Would you like it if we have, if we were rooting for you to get hit by a bus crossing the street? No. Right. You would say that that's not compassionate, that that's like an evil thing to wish on somebody, right? So why would you root for somebody to get hurt just so that like you can take his bat out of the lineup? Come yeah. on. Right. 
Right. Reevaluate your priorities if you think that. So it was a positive weekend overall. That was, you know, was a bit of a stain. Um, Yeah. You know, those fans put like a total damper on the week on what was a really good weekend and a really a good building block series. Yeah. Positive, like not just positive. I'm trying to think of another word for positive now. One of my tabs open is um is a thesaurus. So I've been because I was I I realized I used uh used the word I was using like the same words for playoffs postseason. I was like, is there another alternative? And I was like, no, there's just nothing that sounds good. But so I was right. like going down at the source wormhole this morning when yeah. I was writing. <laughs> I do that too, because there are certain words I overuse and I, I'm like, yeah. I gotta think of something else. And you know, I do. I I have I also have a um a dictionary Chrome extension on my uh nice. window there. So I try to figure things out there. And it's uh, word nerds. <laughs> yeah, it it's it's you know plus as a writer, you know, you wanna come up with different things. Like I'll notice sometimes I'll write a paragraph and I'll be like, why did I write that word three different times? Like mm-hmm. the same word, what is wrong with my brain? And then I, you know, fix it. Cause that's what you do as a writer. Um, but yeah, overall positive weekend. I would assume that they'll probably keep security heightened in those areas, but yeah, I just, I still don't understand when they built the new stadium how they neglected to keep some distance between the fans by the walls and the fielders, especially, I mean, why didn't the Jeffrey Mayer thing teach them not to do that? It's like, I don't understand. Like they fixed it at the old stadium where they put bars there so that people couldn't lean over. And then the new stadium, they're like, oh yeah, let's put this block of concrete that's only about three feet deep that people can totally reach over and reach into the field of play. But that's a rant for another episode. But I believe, (laughs) you know, if one of you reach over the fence, which will happen because you see it all the time and I don't understand why you would think you're entitled to a ball that's in play, but, you know. There's a lot of entitlement going on. They think that they're entitled to like, (sighs) you know, the opposing outfielders need to respect them as fans. Like, no. There's a lot of entitlement going on. Like, check your entitlement at the door here. Everyone's just trying to enjoy a baseball game. Yeah. Really? And they they should have enjoyed that win yesterday, or yesterday, Saturday, and then the game yesterday. And all anyone's talking about is how awful Yankee fans are because of those people in right and left field. Because it was both sides of the field that got into it on Mm -hmm. Saturday. Well, congratulations to those fans who ruined it for other people. You don't deserve the respect of other players and you don't deserve the respect of other fans right now. Sorry. Exactly. And on that note, <laughs> uh, well, first, let's discuss the fact that Yankees are off. Obviously, they are starting a series with Baltimore. Hopefully they will continue on their winning ways. I will have a preview of that tomorrow. But for now, that's it for this episode of Locked on Yankees, which is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Abby and I would like to remind you that you can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on MLB. Now make your second listen of the day Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We'd really appreciate it. So enjoy your Monday and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.